Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Amen. So Abba, Abba is actually an Aramaic word which most of us know to mean father. But it is also a word that they use for devotion and endearment. So it really goes a little further than just to say father, but even they like to take the term and use daddy or papa. And I just love this. This is going to be so good this morning. So really when we see Abba, you really see daddy. So Jesus prayed in the garden when he said, Abba, father. He was coming to him as a child saying, daddy, if there's any other way. Let this cup pass for me. And that's where we're going to build the basis of everything. But I want to start with a scripture, which I feel like is the foundation of Jesus' ministry uh, and, and the identity. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 3. I'm going to pull two verses out of this. And uh, we'll build from here. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus, also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. Key point here. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son. In thee I am well pleased. How y'all like that? I read out a King James Version. What you think about that? I said thee and thou and everything. Nathan, you should be so proud right now. <laughs> I love these scriptures. This becomes the foundation of the ministry that Jesus begins, which we know is the most successful ministry to ever walk on the face of the earth. Or, or to be even more specific, the most successful life to ever walk on the earth. And it all begins in this moment where God establishes him as his son. I also want to look at this from the Passion Translation just because... Uh, because what, what God is saying here is actually a combination of Psalms 2 and 7 and Isaiah 42 and 1. So if you're taking notes, you can jot those down, go back and read them. And what God is doing is he's taking Psalms 2 and 7, Isaiah 42 and 1. He's blending them together and he's blessing this moment uh, and giving identity to Jesus. And in the Passion Translation, it says, One day Jesus came to be baptized with all the others. As he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, the heavenly realm ripped open above him and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the visible, tangible form of a dove and landed on him. Then God's audible voice was heard saying, my son, you are my beloved. Through you, I am fulfilled. I love this version. God said, through you. I am fulfilled. What I want you to notice first and foremost, today we're going to talk about Abba. We're going to talk about Daddy. We're going to talk about the revelation of understanding who he is to us. And in this, what I need you to note is that, is that first with Jesus, he established him as a son, therefore establishing himself as the father. You have to be very careful and, and understand the fullness of what's happening right here and what's taking place because Jesus is not only coming into the revelation, the understanding, not as if he didn't know already, but this public display, this public witness of this is my son. This is also God by default saying, I am your father. This is so important here because the rest of Jesus' ministry, we're going to see it built from this understanding. So he establishes Jesus as a son which therefore by default establishes himself as the father. The entirety of Jesus' ministry would be from that moment of identity. Not only is it his identity, but it's also that of the father's. Jesus becomes our example of what it looks like to live life knowing God as a father. What's crazy is at this moment, 
God is saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved one. Through you I am fulfilled. At this moment, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't accomplished nothing. He's just been here. And God comes on the scene and says, this is my son, and I am pleased. Why is this? Why is God so pleased in this moment? Because God's pleasure is in relationship and not in performance. See, if we don't see God as Abba, if I don't know that he's daddy, then I feel the need to perform to get his pleasure. But see, when I come to him and I know that he's daddy, I don't have to perform well to get my dad to love me. For instance, this is the way it works. Uh, my, my sister just had a baby, a little bitty one. I mean, he's like this big, literally. Uh, but in that moment when he was born and they walk out of the room, and, and I remember Jordan walking through the double doors like he did something. You know, he just stood back there the whole time, did nothing. But he gets to walk out with the baby and he's just strutting it like, yeah, see this? This is mine. This is all me right here. And he was so proud and so pleased in that moment, and that baby hasn't done anything. It hasn't accomplished anything, hasn't performed anything, it hasn't come up with any, it hasn't provided anything. But the reason that connection is there is because of one reason, it's relationship. The only reason that happened is because of the relationship of I am the Father and He is the Son. But the problem is we don't have the revelation of the Father. So I feel like my performance determines how He feels about me. God said, I'm pleased. Jesus knew this and He lived from that, not for it. Jesus spent 29 years in relationship and was able to accomplish more in three years than we accomplish in a lifetime. We spend 29 minutes in prayer and expect to raise the dead. I knew it wouldn't be popular, but I had to say it. The father was pleased with him before his first healing, before he walked on water, before the Sermon on the Mount, before he fed 5,000, before any of those things ever happened. And the reason Jesus was able to do all the things we just read is because he knew God was pleased with him before he did them. I'm going to explain this better. Some of you have learned to witness, and your witnessing is merely fulfilling the performance that you're supposed to do. Therefore, it's very unproductive. Jesus didn't heal people because it was the checklist of performance that he was supposed to do. He did it because he knew he had a relationship with the Father and God was so pleased with him. Do you understand that if Jesus would have never healed anybody, it wouldn't have changed God's mind? I, I need y'all to catch this because if you don't understand who he is as a father and you don't understand where he, how he's pleased with you, then these things don't come. Jesus was able to walk in it so freely and so easily because he knew doing that or not doing that didn't determine his relationship with the Father. It was from it. It wasn't for it. Until we truly know that our Father is pleased with us without those things, I don't believe we'll ever be able to do those things. We have to do it from his pleasure and not for his pleasure. We, we, we've, we've come up in this, this idea, this religion, this, this system where we know him as God. We know that he is God and we honor him as God and, and, and we understand this aspect of him. 
But it goes further than that. And I'm going to do my best today not to downplay or to, to, to make calling him God seem like it's not a good thing because it is a good thing. He is God. He is the God of the universe, the creator of everything. But until we can get past the point of just knowing him as God and understand him as Father and be in the relationship of him as Father, then we don't reap the benefits of being a father. Yes, right now you're reaping the benefits of him being God. You're breathing air, you're alive, and you're living in the world he created. Those are the benefits of him being God. But there's benefits of him being Father that are so much further than this. And the church has settled for living with him only as God and never reap the benefits of him being Father. So we have to come to a place where we begin to understand like Jesus in that moment that he is Abba. He's Daddy. I love that they put Papa just because I like saying that one. He's Papa. When's the last time you went into prayer as Papa? Daddy, this is, this is why I'm here. Or is it always, and I just think it's funny when people have prayer voices and they start to pray, Oh, Father. Oh, God who art in heaven. I would never talk to my dad like that. It would just be awkward for one. But we go in with this weird sense of the fact that he's some enormous entity or being way up in the sky and we have to create this instead of coming to him like Jesus. And Jesus would come in and say, hey, daddy. Hey, papa. What are you saying today? Papa, what's your plan for this situation? What, what, what are you doing right now in this moment? But when we only know how, let me put it to you this way. The Sanhedrin knew him as God, but Jesus knew him as Father. So as God, they followed his rules. But as Father, Jesus followed his heart. See, we've learned how to do this thing knowing him as God. I know when to show up for church. I know when to get excited. I know when to clap louder. I know when to do all the things. I, I, know, I know the Ten Commandments, and, and I do my best to stay. I know all the, and we become just like those that Jesus challenged. And we follow him as God, as a being, as an entity that has all these rules and all these regulations. And I need to stay within them so that we stay good. And we never understand that actually his desire, he wrote an entire 66 book book <laughs> that was just saying, I want my kids back. I want my children to understand who they are. I want my children to know what I've given them. But we choose to stand on the outside and just say he's God. And I don't want that to sound disrespectful this morning. But I need you to understand. And I want to show you what happened to me. And this sounds crazy and it felt crazy the whole time it was happening and is happening to me. But about three weeks back, I was sitting here. I think I was taking notes when Dad was preaching. Like all of y'all are doing right now. Taking notes because it's, it's so imperative. And I know everyone in here is taking notes right now. And I'm so excited about that. But I was taking notes, and I, he, said, he said something, and I wrote God, and Holy Spirit convicted me. And I had to erase it and write Father. I was like, that's just awkward. I'm not doing that all the time. But for three weeks, I've done that consistently. And every time I've written God, he's convicted me, and I've erased it and wrote Father. 
and put father, and it just felt weird, and I didn't know why. And then he started preparing for me for this message. And he started showing me this, and he started showing me how in our, our I guess if it's in our subconscious or whatever, we, we use God because in reality, God is generic. Now remember, I'm, I'm doing my best not to be disrespectful in any way this morning, but I need you to understand something this morning. We use God because I can say God and not have to be committed or connected. See, I remember my dad telling me about when he went to Africa and preached. When he was preaching over there, he couldn't just say God because they wouldn't know who he was talking about. I'll tell you what, mics are just not my thing this morning. He couldn't just say God because they would say, well, which God? The sun God, the, the fertility God, the rain God. The, there's, all, there's so many. And it becomes so generic and it becomes so broad. And in reality, we've done the same thing. We're throwing around the name God consistently, and I would be willing to bet the world is saying the same thing. What God? So what I believe Jesus did was he come and modeled a lifestyle that made it personal again. Because with God, I can be distant and disconnected. And it doesn't change that he's God. And it doesn't disrespect him as God. He is still the God of the universe. I just don't have to be so connected and committed. But when you change it to daddy, father, then all of a sudden I'm committed in a relationship. Not only am I committed in a relationship, but I'm committed to the obedience because he is father. Here's something I've realized, though, as being a son. When I am obedient to my father, who I have a phenomenal relationship with, it never feels forced. In other words, because of the relationship, I know he has my best at mind. Does, does that make sense? In other words, he's not going to ask me to do something that wouldn't be the very best thing for me. Whether it was, and we're going to take some natural things just to try to, to open this up. Whether it was, change the oil in your truck. Why? I can drive it right down there and they'll change it for me. But it was teaching me a process. It was teaching me skills and things I needed in life. But because I knew him as father, I was willing to submit in that moment and say, even if I don't feel like doing it right now, I know that he has my best interest at mind. But when we don't see him as father, we begin to question in our obedience and wonder why this and why that and what's that going to do. When if I knew he had my very best in mind, that all he wanted was the best. He wanted me to be the best person I could possibly be. But that comes when I know him as daddy. Jesus came to make it personal because we made it generic. Over the last couple of weeks, he's been bringing my attention to the title, to the relationship that he desires to have in my life, and that is Father. If God was content with just being our God, he wouldn't have killed Jesus. If he was content with the relationship of offering the sacrifices and doing the best we could and him being God in heaven, then Jesus would have never had to go through what he did. But he so wanted relationship 
He wanted to be daddy so bad that he was willing to come himself and make it possible. So throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus calling him Father. He doesn't refer to him as God. He says, Father. He was fully bought into the revelation that he was his son. He was fully committed to the idea that he is my father and he would move heaven and earth for me. You know, I've been in this thing lately and I don't even really know why I was trying to explain it to dad where I felt like I needed to start calling him pastor because it just sounds right. And it's what we do in church. It's what we do in religion. We create a bunch of titles and never mind, I'm not even get into all that. But I just felt, and it just never felt right. It's weird. I don't know why, but I was kept trying to make myself do it. And the more I got in this, I just got to understanding that, that I have the privilege that you don't have of calling him dad. So why would I sacrifice the privilege just to call him something that anybody can call him? Mm. See, you all can call him Dean, but you can't call him dad. You're not in the relational position to come to him and say, Daddy, this is what I need. So I begin to look and say, why? What would be the greater title to carry, pastor or daddy? I guarantee you if I asked him, actually it wouldn't be daddy, it would be granddaddy. But the, the, the title he would want more than anything would not be pastor or apostle or senior leader of multiple churches and a mega ministry. It would be, I just want him to know me as daddy. And what we've done is we've chosen to call him the same thing the world calls him. Even the world has to call him God. But only I get to call him daddy. Only us in relational position get to say, Daddy, Father, Abba, Abba. And how often have we sacrificed that to just go back to, how awkward it would be for me to say, Hey, Dean, that just don't that ain't even right. I feel like Mama's just going to come out of nowhere and slap me. <laughs> but is that, isn't that what we've done? And I know I, I'm almost making it, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what I'm making it. I know it's not just about what you call him. There's something so much more behind it. But I believe our speech has been the, the testament of what we really believe. And we just know him as God. And when we do call him Father, it's no different than me calling Abraham Father Abraham. It really, it don't mean anything to me. Abraham didn't do nothing for me. Now, now, I understand, don't take that wrong and twist. Don't, don't say I'm preaching a false doctrine. But you see what I'm saying? We, we, we just say Father because, well, you know, it seems like that's what we're supposed to do. But when's the last time you went into that prayer time and he was just Daddy? He was just, oh, my gosh, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you in this moment. Abba. What's crazy about this, this understanding of I have the privilege of calling him something you don't because he's my dad in its relational position, that means I also get benefits from him that you don't. 
I can go to him and say, Dad, I need 20 bucks. Of course, let's be honest, any of y'all could too. He'd probably give you 20 bucks. I can go to him and say, Dad, I need you to pay my truck note this month. Dang, he'd probably do that for y'all too. I got to find something here. (laughs) But I can go to him and with full confidence know when I say, Daddy, this is what I this is this is what's going on. I know that I'm gonna receive it because I know the relational position that I'm in. So we, the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of our Father, have the same privilege to go into a place that the world cannot go and say, Father, Abba, this is where I'm at. This is the situation. And have full assurance that I'm going to receive the benefit of him being the Father. And what would be more attractive to the world? Us that serve a God that's somewhere in the universe or us serving a Father, being in relationship with a Father who I am reaping the benefits of. He's Abba. You know, in in Matthew chapter 6, we see the disciples so amazed, I think it's Matthew 6, at Jesus' prayer life. And I'm convinced that it wasn't necessarily the style of prayer, but yet the productivity of his prayer. They noticed, they took notice that when he would seclude himself and pray, all of a sudden things were different. Things would just change. And they come to him and say, Jesus, teach us to pray like you pray. And what does Jesus start with? It's your approach. Our Father. He said, before anything else, you have to catch the revelation. You have to go into prayer. Abba. Daddy. Papa. If you can't bring yourself back to the place of approaching him as a child filled with wild-eyed wonder that he is Papa and he can do all things and he would move heaven and earth for me. If we can't approach it from that place, then don't expect to get the results that he got. Most of our prayer time is ineffective because we've approached it wrong. And we approach him as a God who can do things. Instead of our Father who is for us. He wants to. It's his desire. He wants you to reap the benefits of him being a father even more than you do it. But why would Jesus say start like this? Nobody's praying like this up to this point. There wasn't a lack of prayer during this time. There was just a lack of identity. Lots of people were praying, but not a lot of people were approaching him as a son. They weren't in the position yet to be able to come in and say, Daddy, Daddy. He's bringing us back to an understanding of who he is, that our approach will be correct, that our relationship will be correct. And what's awesome about understanding the relationship of being a son and him being my father is there's so much rest in it. I am a stress-free person. Like I, When people talk about being stressed, it's foreign to me. I just, 
I'm not trying to brag. By all means, I totally give that to my upbringing. But I'm just not the type. You can ask my wife. I mean, finances can be a wreck. The kids can be going crazy. Everything can be wrong. And I just, I don't know. I don't, my mind doesn't go to that place. And I begin to think about why am I like that. And I begin to think, well, where did I come from? I come from a situation where I was raised not having to stress because of the relationship I had with my father. I didn't have to stress about what we had because I knew he would take care of it. I didn't have to stress about what I needed because I knew he could take care of it. I believe the level of stress in the church today is a direct result of the fact that we do not know him as Abba. Jesus said, why worry? Are you going to add any height to your stature? Are you going to change anything because you're worrying and you're stressed out about it? Can't your father? Can your father not handle this? Are you so stressed out because you think he's not big enough? Or are you so stressed out because you realize you're not in the place that he's obligated to do? Relationship. He's father. He's Abba. So I believe when we begin to catch the revelation and the understanding that he is Papa, he is Daddy, it comes with such a rest because I don't have to stress out. I don't have to freak out in situations because I have a Father. And when I understand the relational position that I have with him, it frees me from that stress. I want to read you a passage out of uh, Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, so she's not going to have it on the screen. But I want you to listen to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. says, The mature children of God are only those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Golly, you could preach all day on that one line. But this is what I want you to catch. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you've received the spirit of full acceptance, the spirit of adoption, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Abba, Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. The Holy Spirit makes his fatherhood real to us. By his spirit, there is revelation. When you get saved and the spirit of God comes into you, it comes into you saying, you are his beloved child. You are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. You are his beloved child. You have not received the spirit of fear unto bondage, but you have received the spirit of adoption. God said, I'm choosing to adopt you into my family. And I, at that point, become Abba. When we can't see him as father, it feels like getting saved is signing up for a club where we have to follow all the rules of a taskmaster. When we don't follow those rules, which are usually just man's traditions... Then we have failed him, and he will be upset with us. Our only connection to him, when we we can't see him as Abba, our only connection to him becomes the rules. 
And because of that, we base our acceptance just on those rules. And if our connection to him is purely based on not breaking the rules, then we're living from a place of fear and not a place of love. Has your relationship with God begin, become, I hope I don't mess up? Or is your relationship with him, I love my father. He has been so good to adopt me into his family. The spirit of full acceptance. When we receive the revelation that we have been adopted and are truly his, he is Abba. And we live from his love, not for his love. The Holy Spirit has to make it real to us. His fatherhood has been revealed to us by the spirit. We have made it a head knowledge or just another title within the list of names of God. Like I said earlier, Father Abraham, so to speak. That it doesn't really mean anything to us because we've only experienced a head strike and not a heart strike. I recently heard somebody that I, I, just a preacher that I love to listen to has a lot of influence in my life. And he began to break these two things down. That the majority of the church is purely living on a head strike where it came in and you understood it mentally and it made you feel awesome and it probably excited you and it was all good, but it never affected your heart. And, as, as, and when it comes to him being Abba, we know it in our head, but we don't believe it in our heart. He said the Holy Spirit comes and reveals it. He makes it real to us. He makes it a heart strike where within my inner being, I can feel the Holy Spirit saying, you are a beloved son of God. He is Abba. He is Father. Has to be in the heart. I want to end with this. This is something I, I had to call dad and say, is this even legal? Is this right? I don't, I don't even know. It seems too big for me. But I begin to look through the scriptures, and, you know, and I, I mentioned earlier that all throughout the Gospels, Jesus calls him Father. He doesn't say God. He says Father. I pray, I say what my father's saying, I do what my father, oh, just there's so much, our father who art in heaven, he's constantly the father, our father, my father. I go to my father. And I just begin to notice this, that all through this, he's only saying father, even all the way up to the scripture I mentioned earlier where he's in the garden and he's praying, he says, Abba, Father, for you anything is possible. But if there's any other way, there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. So in that moment, he's saying, Daddy, if we can do it another way, if there's one other option, I, I, I think I might take it right now. Can you just, I want you to just picture yourself in this moment where he's in that place of just saying, Daddy, is there another way to accomplish this? Or is this the route I have to take? He stands up. Not my will, but your will be done. And we know what happens. And, and so all the way up to this point, we see him addressing him as Papa, Daddy. And then in Mark chapter 15, we see Jesus hanging on the cross. And all of a sudden he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What happened all of a sudden, where we never see him with this, what seems like a disconnect. All of a sudden now, when he's only said father up until this point, he changes it and says, my God. What happened? What changed? 
We know in this moment he was hanging on that cross as you, as me. Not for you, as you. He was hanging there as a sinner. And we know according to the Bible that a sinner is separated from God and not in relationship. So it was almost as if he was saying, at this moment, I have sacrificed my positional relationship with the Father so that you could have one. In this moment, legally, he could not say father. Legally, he could not look up and say father because he had been separated and the father had had to look away because he was hanging as you. And in that moment, he sacrificed sonship so that you could have it. In that moment, he was willing to separate from his father so that you could be connected to the father. At that moment, he was willing to become an orphan so that you could become a son. The Bible says there's nothing we'll experience that he did not experience. So for us to experience the feeling of being orphaned, he had to be orphaned. Or the Bible would be a lie, right? So he said, I'm going to go to the point. Jesus did not care about the lashings he was about to take. When he was praying in the garden, he didn't think about the cross. He didn't think about the lashings. He knew they were going to, he knew everything that was going to happen before it ever happened. He was not sitting there saying, God, I don't want them to slap me and I don't want them to curse at me. No, he didn't care about any of that. He knew that he was going to hang on that cross and all of a sudden, There was going to be a separation that he had never experienced in his life. And I believe in agony, he was saying, God, if there's a way to do this without being separated from you, if there's a way, I don't want to spend a minute not in relationship with you. I don't want to spend a second disconnected. So if there's any other way, God, please, I don't want to, I don't want to be orphaned if there's any other way. And we've come into this thing with such a nonchalant approach to our sonship and to being uh, uh, adopted into this thing because we don't understand what he went through to adopt me in. And I downplay the fatherhood of God because I don't understand what it took for me to get it. He had to be separated in that moment. So Jesus is hanging on a cross and knows legally he cannot say father. So he just says what everybody else can say. My God, whether you're a child or not, he's still your God. Lost or saved, he's still your God. So in that moment, Jesus could only call him what everybody else called him. But because of that moment... We have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. He had to be orphaned, die, buried, and rose to be the firstborn among many brethren. What a word. Many brethren. You are, you are in the position to have a relationship with a father whose resources are completely unlimited. And if you can only grasp that in the natural, I feel sorry for you. But his spiritual resources are so unlimited 
Jesus never found himself in a place where he wrote a check that God did not cash. I heard a preacher say yesterday, I sent it to some of the guys. He said, if you see it on the menu, if it's in the Bible, you can order it. And I was just floored by that. But it comes from an understanding of my positional relationship. If I can't see and, and if I don't know him as father, then I won't reap the benefits of him being my father. I won't know how to approach him and I won't know what to ask for. I won't be able to see what he's doing in my life. I just... Courtney, you can come up. I feel like we... We've so come to a place where we know how to do all the stuff we're supposed to do. We, we know how to do it all. We know how to make Sunday mornings right. We know how to make church operate right. We know how to do outreach. We know how to do so much stuff. But I feel like he just kept reminding me that before Jesus did any of that, God was so pleased with him just because of the relationship. This year, I, I have personally have went through something uh, that was so new to me. I, I think I mentioned a little bit of it last time. Of For a while there, it was just constant going and preaching, and I was always at youth conferences, and I, I was just going and doing a lot. And, and this year, God just put the brakes on everything and, and began to reset me and refocus me into just staying here and, and really working on my identity because I, I could see that my... How, how well I was accepted or, or however, I don't even know how to put that. How, how, what he thought about me started becoming connected to how many of the conferences I went to and how big they were and how successful they seemed. And, and, all the, and everything became about that and my identity started being connected to all the going and doing and even the youth conferences we were putting on here and just so much of it. And it was like he just started pulling all that back. Just pushing it to the side and saying, no, you've missed it. That's, that's, not, where my, that's not where I find pleasure. He said, I, I don't find pleasure in the performance and all the things you're doing. Those are great and those will come. But I'm just pleased with you because you're my son. And when we understand that, all those other things just become fruit. They become something that just happens based on the relationship that we're in. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.